Romans chapter 16, reading from verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is in Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Okay, so let me give you an overview of this, of this book. Altogether, there are 35 names mentioned. So remember, <clears throat> in chapter 15, he got done with instruction, and he ended chapter 15, verse 33, with, Now the God of peace be with you all. So he, he, he said in verse 33 of chapter 15, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So that, that was the benediction right there. But then all of a sudden he has this thought, Oh, there's a bunch of people I, gotta, I, got, I have to acknowledge. So this is his P.S., and so in this, there's altogether 35 people are mentioned, and they're all believers, 35 uh, 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 saints, as they're called here. Nine are with Paul. So, so Paul is, is writing this letter, and nine people are with him as he's writing this. Nine are with Paul. Of those nine, eight are men, and one, one is a woman. Uh, 24 of those mentioned are in Rome of which 17 are men and 7 are women. So he's going to be acknowledging people who are in Rome in his letter, 17 men and 7 women. Two households are mentioned, Aristobulus and Narcissus. Uh, uh, their households are mentioned. Also, there are unnamed persons here. Uh, in verse 14, it's, there's a group of quote-unquote brethren that he, that he acknowledges. In verse 13, there's the mother of Rufus, that he acknowledges. Again, not by name, but referring to her. And in verse 15, Nereus' sister, and she's not named. Okay, so that kind of gives you an overview of, of the people that he, he's going to mention here. So, so Paul was, was certainly a people person. He knew a lot of names, and, uh, and he made reference to them in his writings. And if somebody is a pastor, they actually need to be people, uh, should be a people person. Uh, if you see a pastor that, that's kind of to himself and everything, you, you got to wonder, should they be pastors? Because this is a people business. I am not a people person. I force myself to be because that's what I need to be in Christ. But I'm not a pastor either. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm just a professor. So, so uh, um, but Paul was certainly a people person. And he starts out in chapter 16, verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is in Sincrea. Now, Sincrea was a, was a, um, was a municipality of, of, uh, of Corinth. So just outside Corinth was uh, Sincrea. And he acknowledges her, and he said he's commending her to them. And he says she is a servant. That you In verse 2, that you receive her in the Lord and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. So um, he mentions this woman. You know, if you think about this, the New Testament was probably one of the most liberal documents of its age. 
in the sense of acknowledging women, where by name he acknowledged, he's acknowledging women. Jesus appears to Mary, a woman first. He appears first to Mary, and then he appears to a bunch of other women before he ever appears to his, his disciples. Here, Paul mentions a woman, and, and uh, she's the first person that he's acknowledging and mentioning. And so, so for folks that think that this is a sexist document, really, they've never really read it, nor have they compared it to documents of that generation. You can't compare a document that was written 2,000 years ago to where we are in our woke culture today. In fact, you can't compare 25 years ago to where we are in our culture today. And, and uh, uh, so, so certainly not 2,000 years ago, but for its time, it was extremely radical and liberal in that sense. <clears throat> so he, he, he says, <clears throat> she is, <clears throat> in verse 1, who is a servant of the church which is in Sincrea. He says, this woman is a servant. And because she's a servant, this is what I want you to do. Because she's a servant... I want you to receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you are to help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. <clears throat> people who help other people get help. <clears throat> I'll tell you, if, if, my, if my wife needs help for anything, she, she just points to somebody and tells them, boom, they do it. <clears throat> She gets so many people helping her, and I'm glad you do, or else I would have to do it all. Uh, but she, she can just make a phone call, and doctors come to our home to take care of us. She can make a phone call, and somebody's picking us up. She can make a phone call, and somebody's coming to drive people to the airport. You go ahead and try that. Might not be as, as fast service. Because my wife is a servant, she serves people all the time. If someone's away or somebody's sick, she's cooking for them. I mean, again and again. Uh, uh, last night, she brought, she brought home a, a tiny amount of Chinese food, like one little dish and soup. And I'm saying, and, and I had seen 20 minutes earlier a $65 charge on the credit card at Hunan's Chinese food. And I said, this was $65? She says, no. I said, well, where's the rest of the food? She says, I gave it to somebody. And, you know, this is what she does. She's just always giving away. And as soon as I learned that she gave it away, I was fine. I was just thinking it was going to be wasted on me if, <clears throat> if, if you bought $65 worth of Chinese food. But she can't, she can't go, she can't do anything without buying something for somebody. She is a servant. This woman, Phoebe, is a servant. And for that reason, he says, for that reason, that you are to help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. She has helped many people and me as well. And because of that, because of that, you are to do anything that she has need of. And this word, matter, I am told that it refers to something that's legal some legal matter. So she had some legal matters to deal with when she was coming into Rome. And she, and, and Paul, the apostle, instructs the believers in the church of Rome, you take care of her 
whatever she needs, whatever she needs, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap, the scriptures say. If you sow service, you get service back. Uh, uh, you, you, you know, like, like Mr. Nino, some of you have met him. He owns like, seven flower shops in the city. Every Sunday, he drops off a beautiful bouquet of flowers every Saturday night so that in our home, there's going to be a big bouquet of flowers. I mean, each one of these bouquets is like hundreds of dollars. These are big things. The guy just drops them off for us because he wants our house to be blessed on Sunday. And, and you say, well, they never did this for me. Well, why should he? Why should he? When you serve, many people will minister to you. And Paul said that that requirement is there. If somebody is a servant, you are to help them enormously. If they've given of themselves for you, you're to really help them. <clears throat> and he, he says, because she's helped many, she's helped even myself. <clears throat> and and uh, um, so I want to look at, at servanthood a little bit. What did Jesus have to say about servanthood? In Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28, he says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be the first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, in the world, people lord it over one another. Not in the church, not in his kingdom. He said, it's not this way among you. This whole thing of dominance, it is not this way among you. Everything in the church is out of a desire to serve. It's not out of a dominance. It's out of a willful submission one to another. It's just like that in marriage. If marriage is one person dominating over another, that is never the intended way. It is always a mutual self-submission and a mutual service. He said, it is not that way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first shall be the slave. Jesus had a lot to say about servanthood. And, and uh, um, let's look in, in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 5 through 8. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. And he led him up, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this dominion and all its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the devil somehow presents to Jesus, somehow presents to Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. So he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment, and the devil said, all of this is mine, and, and, uh, and its glory, it's been handed over to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, it shall be yours. And Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Let me tell you, there is only one way 
one way that you will have a fulfilled life. There's only one way, and that is worship and service. Worship and service, you will be fulfilled. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and you shall serve him only. It is worship and service. When we worship God, when we serve him, that, is, that brings fulfillment. You know, Shereen and I were reflecting over, over our, our marriage of, of now 40 years, and, and we just feel so fulfilled. There is nothing that we want that we don't already have. Nothing. Nothing that we want that we don't already have. And we've, we've been so blessed in touching so many wives, and I'm just, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a full-time worker. I've never been, never, never been paid for Christian service. Never. But I am so fulfilled because as we give our lives for others, we are fulfilled. Jesus said, you you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What is this thing about worship? Well, we covered this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What do I have to give in worship? Everything. Your whole body in worship. This is not something that he takes from us. Remember, we are saved out of slavery, out of the dominion of the devil to the dominion of life. But that then doesn't make us worshipers. Worshippers are something that we now choose to do, that, that, that he urges us. Therefore, I urge you, brethren. He's not urging God, he's urging the brethren. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual ser- service of worship. We then are petitioned by the scriptures to now submit yourself totally in worship to God. He takes us out of the dominion of darkness, not forcing us to serve him. That is something that he calls us to do, and he asks us to do, and he urges us to do. And that's, that's what brings fulfillment. <clears throat> so let, let's go back to, um, to, to uh, uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 1. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant. This word servant is deaconess. It's the female of deacon. So were there deaconesses in the church? So deacon means servant. So we have deacons in this church. And and, uh, um, were there deaconesses? Well, uh, and this is not the only time it's used. Look in in, uh, in, in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also be first tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of one wife, only one wife, and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time studying this, but it's interesting that he throws women in verse 11 right into the midst of this. 
And he doesn't say the women who are wives of the deacons. Maybe that's what he's implying. But he puts women right in the midst of this. And there are many women that, that uh, you know, even if they're not officially called deacons in the church, they, they could certainly be because they serve like crazy. And, and, uh, um, but this is, this is the, the female form of, of, of the word deacon. And you see something similar to this. But what you see here is deacons were never the elders. They're separate from the elders. The elders are talked about in, in Titus 1, 5, and 6 that you appoint elders in the church. They're the ones whom the pastor really configures with for guidance. That's the order in the church. And then there are deacons, which are a, a, a group of other people that, that, that are servants. They are to the ones to, who are to be serving. She's among this group. She's called a deaconess. She is a servant, and she serves so mightily, he says, you better be good to her. <clears throat> now let's look at uh, verse 3 of Romans chapter, Romans chapter 16, verse 3. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now, Prisca is sometimes translated as Priscilla. And in my Bible, it's translated both ways. He has obviously used a slightly different spelling here, and it comes out Prisca. And uh, uh, in other cases, he uses Priscilla, which was the more formal name. And, and uh, um, that's very common. You say, that's weird. No, that's very common. My name is James. Many people call me Jim. You know, and that, that, that's, that's the difference. So, so when you're referring to people, if you know them, you might call them by different names. Some people call me, you know, Shireen calls me, she calls me dad. All right. She calls me dad most of the time. And, and then, then sometimes she'll call me Jim. If she says James, I'm in trouble. I mean, some, I did something wrong. And usually she's, she, the hands go to her hips, elbows in, I, I mean, wrists in, and there's something. And, and uh, I just dive for cover. Um, so so uh, uh, a person can have several different names uh, that, that they're called. So Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that is in their house. So they risked their life for Paul. We have no reference to that. We don't know where that is. So there's many things about the life of people in the scriptures that we don't necessarily know anything about. Now, if you look at Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, after these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. Okay, so Paul goes, he left Athens, he goes to Corinth. And when he goes to Corinth, he finds a Jew, a Jewish man named Aquila. He's a native of Pontius. And having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, so you have Aquila, his wife is Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So there was a command by Claudius, we want all the Jews out of here. You think our culture is messed up? I mean, 
just you take an entire ethnic group and you say, out of this city. Go, out of this city. The emperor has commanded. What do you do with your land? What do you do with your stuff? What do you, what do, you do? I don't know. I don't know how they fled, but they had to flee. Later on, Claudius dies. That is rescinded, and they can go back there. And, and we see that because they end up going, going back there because they're now in Rome again because he's, he's saying Greek. Priscilla and Aquila. So they're back in Rome again. So they had to leave Rome and then they, they went back. But, but uh, um, so, so when, when uh, uh, Nero comes in, they, they could go back. But he says they were of the same trade and he stayed with them for by trade they were tent makers. So Paul, what was Paul's trade? How did he make money? He made tents. He made tents. So they probably used a lot more tents back then than we use now. And he made tents. So he was, I don't know, you call him a contractor or something. He made tents. But Priscilla and Aquila were also tent makers. So they worked together making tents. And that's how Paul was supporting himself. So he made tents. So, so uh, Paul had this vocation. And he talks about them here in his meeting them in Acts chapter 18. So then if we look at Acts chapter 18 and, and we go on down to um, verse 18, Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren. So he's leaving Corinth and they put out to sea for Syria and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. So he takes Priscilla and Aquila from Corinth with him first to Syria and then and, uh, 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 they set out to sea for Syria and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Sincrea, he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. Remember, you're saying this was a municipality of Corinth. So back in Corinth, he actually got his hair cut. You say, why does that matter? Um, you can listen to my teaching in the book of Acts, and we went over that. Um, uh, so, so we went over that. But verse 19, they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. So they traveled with him to Ephesus, and he left them there. Uh, uh, and now he himself entered the synagogue and started reasoning with the Jews. So they travel with him to Ephesus. We see them again in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Okay, so there's this man named Apollos. He's an Alexandrian by birth, so that's in North Africa. And he, he's, he's a Jew living in Alexandria, and he was an eloquent man. If the Bible says he was eloquent, that probably means he was really eloquent. I mean, the guy could speak. And, and some people have a, a gift of being able to speak, and, and, and it says Apollos had this. He came to Ephesus. So remember that Paul had come to Ephesus, and he came with Priscilla and Aquila. And it says, 
it says, and he was mighty in the scriptures, mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately, accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. So he only was acquainted with the baptism of John. He didn't know anything about the crucifixion. He didn't know anything about the life of Jesus. He just knew what John the Baptist had said. He had been a follower of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, there is one coming after me, and he spoke of this one, but that's all he knew. He didn't, he he was living in Alexandria. All of this was taking place in, in Judea, and then some of it in the Galilee, but he's over in North Africa. But he took hold of this, and he was preaching this thing. When Priscilla and Aquila, now what's interesting, again and again you see Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla being cited before Aquila, the woman being cited before the man. There's something here. The woman is being cited before the man, which is unusual for the scriptures, almost as if she is the dominant teacher, only as if she is the dominant one in ministry. When you, Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, and it's just because Paul was the main speaker, they, they referred to him as, as, as and, and they mentioned his name first. There's Priscilla and there's, there's Aquila, the woman's name and then the man's name, and they pull him aside. When they heard this, they didn't want to stifle him. They said, no, no, didn't say, no, no, no. You, you, you can't do it. You don't know enough yet. You just sit here for a few years, learn, and then you'll be good. No. Let Apollos go. Let him do what he needs to do. But, they, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside. So it wasn't like they, they did this in front of everybody. They took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. They just explained to him the way of God more accurately. So they brought him up to speed. This takes time. You know, you got to talk about Jesus and all the things that have taken place and his death and his resurrection and the the sightings and everything. So this may have taken days. We don't know how long it took. Certainly hours. And it says, and when he wanted to go to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When I lead somebody to the Lord and they go home and tell their family, I am very happy. It's not like, no, no, just get built up for a while. This happened just last week. Just last week at lunch, two guys gave their life to the Lord. They came to the class, then they went to the church service, then they came to our home for lunch. Those two guys gave their life to the Lord. I got an email from the person who brought them that one of the guys went home and told his family, and his family ended up getting saved. So don't stifle them. Let them go. They know so very little at that point but that's fine. They know more than the other person. Let him go. They, they let him go and, 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 and do this. So, so, so they let, let him go and start, and start preaching. He wanted to go. The brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So they encouraged him and they wrote to the disciples, welcome this guy. He's an eloquent speaker. And this is what we do. We give referrals. We give referrals to other churches. So people will ask me, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're moving to such and such a town. Do you know any churches in that town? If we know a church, we'll tell them. And then we'll tell the people that we know in that church, hey, here's a friend of ours coming. And, and uh, so, so you can help them out as they come. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace, for he 
powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Because remember, this man was eloquent in the scriptures. He was eloquent. And so you see, these people are teachers. They're teachers of the Bible, Priscilla and Aquila. And and uh, uh, you see, they, they, they risked their life for Paul. We don't know when that was. And uh, he says, but also all the churches. He says in verse 4 of chapter 16 of Romans, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. All the Gentile churches know Priscilla and Aquila. All of them. These guys are so well known for what they've done. And then it says, it says, uh, um, also, verse 5, also greet the church that is in their house. These guys used to have church service in their house. This was a couple serving together and they had a church service in their house. This is the extent of what their life was like. This is a couple. I think it is one of the greatest things to be able to be in ministry with my wife. It is a great thing. I love this. I, I don't, you know, she has this big spread of food. There's food out here and food. Why? Because Jesus used food to draw people. Jesus did. I mean, he was multiplying fish all the time. He, he, was, he was just, this is what he did. I don't have to worry about anything in the food department. I don't worry about shopping. I don't know, I don't know what the, what, what the menu is going to be. She starts filling out the menu on Wednesday and Thursday and starts shopping on Friday and then does prep work on Saturday for, for, for the Sunday meal. She takes care of it. I, I, I don't think about this at all. We are joined in ministry. We are joined in ministry and we have the same purpose. And our purpose is to serve the Lord and our purpose is to see people get saved. This is what this couple was like. And they had this church service in their home. And, and, uh, and, and it doesn't stop there. If you, if you look in, in uh, um, uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 19. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 19. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19 says, The churches of Asia greet you. So this is a letter that he's writing to Corinth. Aquila and Prisca greet you heartily in the Lord and uh, with the church that's in their home. So you see here, he puts Aquila before Priscilla, Prisca. And uh, so here he puts Aquila first. And he says, and the church that's in their house. So they had a church in their house in Corinth. They had a church service going in their house in Rome. Wherever they went, there was ministry being done through them, wherever they went. This is what was happening. I'll tell you, if you're not married yet, please just pray to God that you find a spouse that you can work with in ministry, because it is such a blessing. And uh, uh, we have different roles, and, and we're happy with it. Look, if, if I took care of the meal, you'd all get you know, cereal and milk. I mean, that, that's about the best I can do. That's what you would get. And, 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 uh, but Shireen takes care of that. And it is so good to be serving the Lord. And come Sunday, I mean, we are both locked and loaded. We are ready to go. Early Sunday morning, up early. And because we, we're just purpose. 
My wife is going about her thing. Early in the morning, at 6 a.m., she's on the phone with Randall's. Get this ready. Get this. No, I want to speak to the manager. She knows exactly who she has to speak to to make sure that everything gets done. If there's somebody who's new, she insists on speaking to the manager. Every detail. She's on the phone constantly at 6 in the morning, making sure everything is in place, texting her little community, which includes many of you, of what, what you have to do. This is what she does. And, uh, and uh, uh, this, is, this, is, this is part of, of what happens. He mentions them again in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 19. Greet Prisca and Aquila, now Prisca's first, and the household of Anisiphorus. <clears throat> so Paul is always, whenever he has a chance to greet people, he gets this couple. This couple serves. If you are already married... Pray to God that you can have a marriage of service, a marriage of service. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, um, uh, because it, it, it's just great being able to serve the Lord together. Okay, well, we will, we will uh, stop here and pick it up next time. Lord, I thank and I praise you for your mercies and your grace. You are so good. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercies and for all of your grace. And Father, I pray that you pour out the grace of God on these young people, that they could find marriages where they could serve together as a couple. And Father, I pray that you use this example of uh, Prisca and Aquila. Use this example in their lives, that they would always remember this. Father, as a couple to be serving, even though they had, they had a trade. They weren't in full-time ministry, but they had church in their home. Father, do this in their lives, I pray. And Lord, I ask also, if there be any unbelievers here today or any, any unbelievers on the line, Father, that you would bring salvation to them this day, that salvation would come this day to them. Lord, your grace abound, I pray. Father, salvations today, I pray. And Lord, I commit this to you, and I give you many thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.